0: Well, hello everybody, High Valley Church. How are you? I feel good. I feel good in here. Um, I'm glad to be here. Just thinking, it's whenever you're a part of God's church, you've always got family to visit, no matter where you go. And uh, I was texting back and forth with some of our team this morning as they're getting church started, and just I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the church, especially in the challenging times we've been in. I'm thankful thankful for God's family. I'm thankful for an anchor in, uh, in the storms of culture blowing us this way and that. It's good. And if you're here for the first time or you're new to church, um, I just invite you to press, lean in. Lean in. Uh, God has planted the church here for a reason. And no matter what happens out there, the church is gonna endure. The church endured the dark ages and communism and persecution and this and that, and we're still here. We're still here, and no matter what happens with America, we're still going to be here. So, yeah, I'm glad to be with you today. Um, well, let's get into it, shall we? You give me a couple of minutes, and we'll uh, we'll get into the Word here. Uh, you can, if you have a Bible or your phone, for most of you probably, <laughs> get, pull up Luke chapter 1. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but today is the first day of Advent. Um, if you know what Advent is, I'll tell you. Do you have my picture? Did that make it? Do you have my picture? I don't know who I talked to about this, but you got a picture? Good. Can you show my picture? There we go. Okay. Um, this is kind of a, a, a sort of a crude uh, picture of the major arcs of the church calendar that has been uh, observed for 2,000 years. And um, the big ones are really the first one that we're starting today, which is Advent, which is the time when the church turns its attention to uh, the reflecting of the, the promised Messiah that was throughout the Old Testament, right? The Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, so today the church begins the process of Advent. And then there's Christmas. Uh, there's Epiphany, I'm going to explain all these. And then a few, weeks, or a few months after that, we start Lent, which is the next big arc, and that's when the church turns its attention to uh, the crucified Christ and the, the resurrection of Christ, right? So we enter into that time of Lent, and then um, there's a little bit of, uh, that whole thing is actually Lent. And then there's 40 days in everybody's favor, which is the final of the three big ones, which is Pentecost. And Pentecost is the, the, the entering into the waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. So all three of the big arcs of the church calendar, the waiting for the promised Messiah, Uh, the entering into the time of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, and then the waiting um, for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Wonderful time, and, and we're entering to that now. But the majority of time on that calendar, the big green time, is ordinary time. Ordinary time is just your life. It's the time when we're living and working and going and doing and thinking and processing and waiting and all that. It's not, you know, we're not into Christmas yet, we're not into Easter yet, and all that. It's just ordinary time. And as we enter into this season of Advent, like the beginning of this major of the first of the three arcs of our of our Christian encounter, I'd like to. I'd like to just enter in together as a church to the idea of ordinary time and extraordinary time. The majority of your life is going to be made up of ordinary time. The majority of your life is going to be made up of getting up on Monday and going to work, of the football schedule. Amen, somebody? My Niners are playing it. Oh, it's mountain time, right, too? Anyway, somebody help me out. Um, and yet, during ordinary time, we're all looking toward those times when God is going to change something because extraordinary time is the time when God does something great, the extraordinary moments. And that's what we celebrate, right? Christmas, the birth of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Those are extraordinary times. And we love extraordinary times in our lives too. And we just heard these wonderful testimonies. And we have these times when God did something great in our life and he healed me or he repaired that relationship or I got that job or I I came into that money or, or whatever it is when God did something extraordinary in my life. Right, we love those times. Most of the time though is ordinary time. I don't want to talk about um, the difference between those two and how we prepare for extraordinary time. Um, Luke chapter 1, you can, you can move that now. Luke chapter 1. So uh, if you don't know, um, Luke chapter 2 is the most comprehensive reading of the birth of Christ. That's what everybody goes to, and we read that on Christmas Eve with our family, Luke chapter 2, right? But Luke chapter 1 is the Advent. It's the lead up to this. And I want to read this to you here. Uh, let's go with verse 5 here. Uh, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But, everybody say but, they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as the priest before God in the order of his division, according to the customs of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So there was this process where priests would go in and they would start the sacrifices and the incense, and this whole complicated thing, and they would do it on behalf of the people. So he's in the temple by himself, burning incense, ministering to God, because there was the 24-7 ministry that happened in the temple. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. That's usually what angels say. That's usually how they lead off. And it's really like, in a practical sense, it's like, you know, Like angels here, and he's like, calm down, calm down, I have something to say. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He's talking about the Nazarite vow there. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And that's a big deal because up to this point, the Holy Spirit entering people was a very selective process. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, and he's quoting the Old Testament here, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Pretty good, right? Zachariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. All right, that's all. That's where we're going to stop, right there. Uh, major summary. All of that happens. And the baby that's born, uh, born is named John. You may know him better as John the Baptizer or John the Baptist, who was the one that called people to Repentance and made way the, 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 the path for Jesus Christ, was one that baptized Jesus. So, pray with me for 10 seconds. Lord, we ask you to fill our hearts with this word today, and I ask that you will, as we turn our minds and our attention to your word, I pray that your spirit will speak to us. I pray that there will be revelation, and uh, there will be new seasons opened up in our lives, and we pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So Zacharias and Elizabeth are these two ordinary people living in ordinary time. And they follow a pretty typical um, track as far as people that God tends to use. It says they were both righteous and faithful. They were righteous people. They attended to the presence of God. They followed in obedience to God. They were righteous, faithful people. It also says that they were people that were very acquainted with pain and sorrow. Um, Not being able to have a child was really, I mean, for obvious reasons, was a tough thing, Um, especially in that culture. They wanted a kid, they wanted a baby, and they couldn't have it, And and especially for Elizabeth, and I'm sure some of you have experienced that pain and that sorrow. Um, It was doubly tough because implicit, for Jewish women, because they had all read the Torah and they had all read the Old Testament, they knew that the Messiah was going to be born from a Jewish woman. And so to be a Jewish woman was kind of to be a part of the lottery because it could be you. And so not only was she unable to have a baby, but she knew she wasn't going to be that person. Tough. And so this couple grows older, And they've tried and they've tried and they've gone to prayer meetings and they've petitioned God and offered sacrifices and done this and and nothing's happened. And their life has just become this ordinary thing and, and, and they're faithful and they're serving God but within them is this sorrow and this pain. And everybody here to an extent knows what that's about because everybody here in some sense carries some sort of pain or sorrow with them. That thing that happened in the past, that thing that was done to you in the past, that longing you have, maybe you thought life was going to turn out differently than it did. And these are the kind of people that God always went to, that he always paid attention to. I'm carrying the normal pain and sorrow because we're human beings that are acquainted with life, and life is hard. Somebody say amen. Life is not some sort of like this, this whole idea of like, the Christian life's gonna be glory to glory and everything's gonna be fine, and that's setting you up for failure because then if things don't go well, where's God? No, that's not what's promised in the scripture. It's gonna to be tough things, you're gonna experience pain, you're gonna be experience sorrow because we live in a sinful world. And so they, these are people that knew that, and yet they were faithful, righteous people. And in the middle of all this ordinary time, somewhere in heaven, a countdown finished. And it wasn't triggered by something that somebody here did or because somebody had some sort of divine revelation or because we'd figured things out or gotten it right with God. God keeps his own counsel and has his own clock. He has the iPhone clock and no one else gets to see it but him, not even the angels. And somewhere in heaven, the clock counted down and hit zero and made that obnoxious ring. And God said, now something is going to shift we are now going to move from ordinary time to extraordinary time. One of those big movements is about to happen. A new season is coming. Something has changed. It's not obvious to anyone else, but something has flipped. Something has shifted, and God knows it. Right? And so... Zacharias is there, and he's ministering, and he's doing the thing, and incense, and all of a sudden, boom, angel, which is a big deal enough. I mean, you kind of, like, skip through that because you're, like, trying to get to the point, but seriously, like, you're there ministering, and all of a sudden, angel, Gabriel, not just any angel, not some chump, like, third-class angel, Gabriel, like, we know, there's only a few of them, we know their names, and this is one of them, and he says, I'm... Come to tell you good news not only am i going to address the pain and sorrow of your ordinary life you're going to have a baby but also you're going to have the baby that was prophesied that was going to prepare the way of the lord you didn't win like the mega millions lottery but you won like two hundred thousand dollars in the lottery still pretty good is that a bad metaphor in church? Maybe it is. All right. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like you didn't get all 5 numbers in the jackpot one, but you got like 4 of them. So like odds are like it's pretty good. Still pretty good. Not the one, but still pretty good. That didn't that didn't work at all. All right. Let's the one you've been reading about, prophesied in the Old Testament, the one that will prepare the way of the Lord is gonna be yours. Wow. Not bad for just a Sunday offering incense. Verse 18 says, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. When you go through ordinary time, and you deal and, and learn to adapt to the pain, and you learn to adapt to and, and, and endure the challenges that you're going through and the, the states of being and, and things that have not yet come to pass, even though you're believing that they're going to change and all that, we, we, learn, we start to have these sort of adaptive mechanisms in our lives, these sort of things that help us cope. Cope with pain. Cope with longing that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Cope with hope that is there but hasn't yet been fulfilled And for Zacharias, this took the place of a predetermined narrative that was designed to help protect him from the disappointment. Because I'm sure at some point somebody said, you know what, I'm just believing that you're going to have a baby. And then months went by, and then years went by. And after a while, I think you probably kind of get sick of hearing that. I'd rather you didn't sort of try to. I mean, I appreciate the encouragement, but I, 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 I just, I'd rather you didn't kind of stir that up because it's really painful. And so you adapt this, like, this sort of coping mechanism of, of designed to protect you from discouragement and protect you from disappointment and protect you from the pain. And I'm sure that kind of sounded like, oh, okay. And so here's this angel that has appeared to him going, it's gonna be you, guy, and here's all this stuff that's gonna happen. You're gonna be—it's gonna be miraculous and all that. And his response is, "How am I gonna know?" All right, I appreciate that angelic visitor guy, but yeah, I've heard this before. You know what I'm talking about? I've heard this before. What we call it in 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 uh, like ministry is is the is it getting a case of the yabbits? You know what the yabbits are? Hey, let me just encourage you today, man. I believe God something got great got something great for your life. Yeah, but you don't really know my situation. You know what? Listen, I, I believe, I know you're going through a hard time right now, but I think we're, we're, you know, we there's some things that are gonna change and shift. And I think just you're 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 one step closer and the things are gonna. Yeah, but I hate the yabots. It really makes my job hard. But yabbits are a a coping mechanism. It's don't get my expectations too high. And I suspect that there are probably some of you here today that you've really got well-developed coping mechanisms, and anytime someone tries to encourage you, it's that, yeah, but don't get my hopes up here. It's been a long time that I've been hoping and waiting and expecting for something. And ordinary time has just become the defining characteristic of my life, and Yeah, I appreciate that, but until I see, really start to see something move, I'm not getting my hopes up too high. You with me so far? Can you identify with that? I can. I certainly can. And um, and that's what he does. Uh, So he says there in my translation, it says, yeah, but how shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife was well advanced in years. And Gabriel's response is really interesting. His response is, "How do you know? I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to tell you. That's how you know." Now, like, okay, that's not really proof, but here's here's kind of the point. The answer is because God. Um, here's one thing that's easier said than done or or easier said than really embraced. Um, God doesn't owe us an explanation of how things are going to go. And I, I hate that. I would rather see the plan A preacher once said that God will never give us what it is we really long for, which is the equation or the formula that would make him unnecessary. And, and we would like to say, okay, God, cool, baby, John, Nazarite vow, great. Unpack that for me a little bit, Gabriel. Like, like let's take me down the road a little bit on that. How is this going to be? Um. And there's a couple of reasons why God doesn't spell this stuff out for us. Number one, because then it doesn't require any faith. Then we're just following directions. And you can get that anywhere. You can go, read, you can go see some really great TED Talks on how to improve your life, and they're great. They're great. I've, I've listened to a couple of them just this week. They're great. Yeah, improve your life. Live your better life. Great. But that's ordinary time stuff. This is extraordinary time. This is one of those slices that isn't green. This is stuff that only God can do. And if you want to get into that time, something has to change. And what it starts is the same thing that starts every, every single element of your life with Christ, and that's faith. You're going to have to put your faith somewhere. Eventually, I'm going to put faith in what I cannot yet see. It requires faith. The second reason I think God doesn't give us these maps and answers is because if we really knew how it was going to go, we would run in the opposite direction. Can you imagine Gabriel going, here's what's going to happen, guy. Your, uh, your son's going to grow up and he's going to dress like a hobo and he's going to go out in the field and he's going to eat crickets and whatever it was, locusts and honey and everything else. And then um, then uh, the Messiah is going to be born to a virgin in Bethlehem. Yes, that dump, backwater Bethlehem. And he's going to be a and he's going to grow up, and his son's going to baptize him. And then, um, no, he's not going to be that super-duper Davidic kingship figure. He's actually just going to sort of lope around the perimeter and never actually go into Jerusalem until really later. And then um, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that happens, and all the Pharisees and the people you serve with are going to hate him and, and actually going to eventually get him killed, and he's going to be crucified. And then there's gonna be three days where everyone's really bummed out, and then he's gonna be resurrected. Like even saying it like that makes it sound nuts. Right? I mean, I mean I'm a Christian and believe that all happened and like reading it out that way, there's no way Gabriel's gonna tell Zacharias this. He's gonna be like, yeah, keep going, buddy. This incense, this must not be incense, right? Like it... Okay. <laughs> How am I gonna know? I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and got my assignment directly from him. That's the answer. That's all you're getting, guy. Um, But what happens here is that God gives him a gift. And this is what I want to focus in on for a couple minutes. He gives him a gift. Gabriel says, I've been sent to give, and he actually says, and you see the calling over to Luke 2 here, he says, I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Remember where that shows up again? Over with the shepherds, who had a different reaction. I've brought, I've, this is like, he's like, you can just see as, as, as Zechariah is doing this, and then Gabriel's been like, and, and like as Zechariah is talking, Gabriel's like, oh, so that's your answer? okay. Well, that's kind of a bummer. I had this going differently in my head, but all right, here's the answer. I'm Gabriel. This is what's going to happen. But then he says this, but behold, you will be mute. Isn't that a relief? Like when you you're talking to somebody in the living room and you realize in the back of your consciousness the TV is just way too loud. And then somebody mutes it and you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, now we can talk. You know that feeling of just like momentary relief? Behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. God's response to Zacharias is a divine pause. Because... uh, uh, I don't read this at all as God condemning Zacharias. I think he got it. Um, I think he did him a favor. Because you see, Zacharias is a person like me and like you, who was faithfully serving God and was carrying sorrow and pain and all these different things and was dealing and coping with ordinary time as best he could. And all of a sudden, God's dropped this bomb and said, guess what? extraordinary time is coming and his response is this predetermined narrative that he's been working on for years and going yeah but listen I've heard yeah but and can you imagine how that's all up in his mind and his heart and this is all sort of like he got into the painful area and and he starts immediately talking like you can just figure like he, he's he's talking more exactly before Gabriel's even done he's talking and yeah but listen I don't and 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 Gabriel goes Gabriel says, hey, listen, I know you're really spun up right now. And I know that you are a fallible human being that's doing the best you can and following God. And I know you've got a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow. I know you're dealing with it the best you can. And I know your response to the idea that we are moving from ordinary to extraordinary time is to not believe it. And I know you've already got this narrative in your head that's already going to try to, to lower the expectations about what God might do. I get all that. So here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm just going to have you be quiet for a while. Let's just not talk for a minute. Before you give me the narrative that you've been delivering to yourself for years to cope with your discouragement in ordinary time, let's just let's just stop and contemplate for a second. He says, "You're going to enter to a divinely enforced season of contemplating what God has said is going to happen. One of my least favorite characteristics is when you're talking to somebody and you get the feeling like, you and I were just talking about this, you get the feeling like they, they're not listening to you, they're just waiting for you to shut up so you, they can talk. You know what I mean? Like it comes so fast and and you're like, you didn't even listen to what I just said. You're just delivering your content. And that's what Zacharias was doing here. From his pain, from his unproof, he was delivering his narrative, and the angel says, you're going to get an enforced season of contemplation. He doesn't give him any new information. He says, you're not going to speak until this happens, and it's going to happen in its own time, and you're going to see it, and I'm just going to put you on mute until that happens, so you can fully appreciate and contemplate what God is doing. Here's a deep truth. It is rare, even in, in preaching, it is rare that I find myself telling people something they don't already know. I know we're supposed to be up here like delivering, you know unearthing all this new fresh wisdom and stuff, but I, I've discovered that most of the time, people kind of already know it. And the challenge in following Christ is not getting God to deliver new information. The challenge is do I believe what I have already heard? Right? It's already there. It's already there. Gabriel says, I've said what I said, it's going to happen. What do you think? You want more information? I'm I'm telling you this is what's going to happen. But you don't believe it yet. It's still above the neck. It's still up in your narrative here. It's still in your ordinary time coping stuff. So what you need is about nine months, give or take, of just contemplating and listening and meditating on the glorious reality of what God said will happen and what absolutely will happen in God's time. That's Advent. Um, If you're like me at all, you have those times when Christmas just kind of sneaks up on you? You're like, dude, it's four days from Christmas and I haven't done any like, you know, like, I haven't felt it yet. Maybe that's the way to put it. Like, I haven't felt it. You guys been to that part? Like, I get the presents, and I'm scrambling through the church stuff and trying to get everything done. And then, like, when does Christmas belong to me? And that's one of the reasons we do Advent. Or it's one of the reasons I, I, I really like that. And I mean, it's not super popular in the Western sort of model. They celebrate more focused in, in other Christian traditions. But I think it's important because we all know the Christmas story. You got your baby, you got your shepherds, you got your wise men, you got your star, you got your angel, what am I missing? Like all the Christmas things, all the kids know the story and then there's the singing and all this and the three wise men and blah, blah, blah. We all know the Christmas story in that sense. But the truth is, Spurgeon said this, "Um, other stories, by often repeating them, you grow familiar with them. You get it. He said, with Christ, there is always something new to discover. Every Christmas season, every Advent, I read the same Advent devotional every Christmas, same ones. And every Christmas, I am shocked because the, the, the reality of Christ's birth and the, the coming Messiah is like a treasure that you can keep digging into and you will never fully uncover it. There is glorious reality and truth for your life that's right in front of us in the story that we're so familiar with. But see, we know it, but it's like, has it really gotten into my heart to where I'm believing it? Is it making a difference in my life? Is it changing me on the inside? Is this deep, simple truth transforming? Is it moving me from the ordinary fluctuations of my life into this extraordinary time? Am I really getting it? Do I really believe it this year? And so the angel says, I said what I said, it's going to happen. Good news. It's going to happen. Ain't nothing you can do about it. But you need to believe it. You need to stop talking and stop processing it through your coping mechanisms and stop processing it through your pain and take the time to sit and let that reality get really deep into your heart. Now, you can read the rest of the story to yourself later, but you can just imagine when the baby was finally born, he's like... (laughs) Guys! (laughs) Guys, <laughs> um, I was David, the great king, psalmist. David knew this this principle. In fact, if you go to, uh, so, I think I gave you this to you. Psalm thirty nine, in one of his sort of lament psalms, he said. What, he, he was, he's, he's all spun up and you can just tell. He says, I'm, I'm going to guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. And then he says, I'll restrain my mouth with a muzzle. And then verse 2, he says, I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good. There was a time David said, I am so worked up. I am so discombobulated in ordinary time. I'm so coping and I'm so dealing with my discouragement in the same old way. I just need to shut up. I just need to allow God to be God in my life. I need to stop explaining it and asking God for more directions and asking for more clarity and just believing that who he is and what he is is going to become real in my life if I will take the time to allow it. And we, our culture is so... We're just, it's this content input constantly. Everybody, some of you guys have already checked the scores on your phone while I've been talking. It's okay, I do the same thing. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Like it just, we're just so content consuming, constantly feeding ourselves. And we wonder why God, I can't hear you. And God's going, dude, I'm trying to. I've already said everything you need to hear, but you haven't believed it yet. You haven't gotten it down into your system yet. David knew that, and and that's why he said, there's times when I'm just needing to, even from good. Did you notice that? Not just stop my nonsense, but even the good stuff, just. You're, You're still up here. This hasn't gotten down here yet. This will change your Christmas, man. Change your Christmas. You already know the story. you've done the construction paper cutouts, you've done all that stuff. But this is so much deeper and more glorious than we realize. We're entering into extraordinary time. Advent is the on-ramp. Now, on the surface, nothing had changed for Zechariah. It was going to be at least two or three months before they figured out that it, you know that was real. But in heaven, it had already changed. The switch had been flipped. We were moving into something different. Um, The good news about this, I want to just encourage you on something. The good news about this is that Zacharias' doubt didn't destroy or delay God's promise. That's good news, right? Like, you can't, Gabriel's like, this is happening and you can't screw it up. God is not bound by that. When God says the Messiah is coming, he's coming. Um, but what it did do, now pay attention to this, what it did do was limit his ability to enjoy and fully enter into what was happening. So what's going to happen but he didn't get to have those conversations while it was going on like with his wife and the friends. And he, he, there, there was a limit placed on him. And sometimes God's going to do that to make sure that we get it. I'd rather that not be the practice that I have to go through every time. I want to fully enter into it. I don't want to miss it. I, I don't want to just get the big stuff. Like I want to I experience all of it. Um, so here's what I want to ask you today uh, what is what is your ordinary time like right now what is in your life that maybe you've been carrying maybe um, you've been coping with maybe you've been longing for something to change in a relationship one of your kids or your parents or your brother or Maybe you've got a relationship that you're saying, I would love for this relationship to change. Maybe it's your marriage. And it's, been, it's just been kind of the same way. It's been ordinary time for a while. Um, maybe, maybe even like trying to get a promotion and, and hoping that God's going to be a provider in a new way. And, and you believe that that's coming. Or maybe you've, you've got a dream that you're trying to bring about and, and you can kind of see it, but nothing's really happened yet. Um, maybe it's just a health thing. Maybe you've been prayed for up here, and and you're like, what's wrong with me? How come I can't get the healing? And let me just tell you, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just an ordinary time. But the good news is that circle I showed you at the beginning—it always comes back around. God always has extraordinary times ready for you. It's coming. It comes when God says it comes. In fact. It may have already started, you just can't see it yet. You may have already entered the advent of your season and your life is shifting from an ordinary time to an extraordinary time, but you can't tell yet because it's not obvious. Maybe someone's spoken a word into your life and you're saying, like, I believe that, I just, but I don't see anything different. Okay. It takes nine months for that baby to show up. But for every extraordinary, all that those, and, and the green part's big on some of those times. It's just a long slog, but guess what? There's always something new. There's always a deeper treasure. There's always something yet to be unearthed in your life. God always has something extraordinary prepared for you. It's not over. Don't give up on it. And so I just invite you into Advent, into the contemplation of who God is. We don't need more necessarily more teaching on the nuts and bolts of it as much as we really need to be convinced that God is as good as he says he is. And Christmas is one more reminder, maybe the best reminder that God always keeps his promises. You know, between this, you know, the gospels there and the last book of the Old Testament, it's like 400 years. Silence. No prophecies. No No glorious victories, just ordinary times. So ordinary that they didn't even write it down in the Bible. Does that sound like a period of your life at times where it's like, nothing is going on right now. No victories, just just plain, simple, ordinary time. Everybody experiences those times. And then, one day, while this faithful couple was going about their faithful lives, obeying God, honoring God, doing the right thing, dealing with their pain as best they could, trusting God. One day, God said, oh, it's time now. It's time to move. Now, ordinary time is coming to a close. Now begins the advent. Now becomes the ramp up to something truly miraculous. And there's always something like that waiting for your life. Amen? So here, let's take a couple of minutes and just pray together, shall we? And um, I, we can uh, maybe the band can just sing a little bit. And I just like to invite you. And you're, if, if you would like somebody to pray with you, you have a prayer team, right? We can if we have some. If we can get a few people up here to to pray, and I would just like to invite you in just for a couple of minutes to allow to take the pressure off of God trying. It's, how do I say this? To take the pressure off of God, the expectation that he needs to give you something new. The promises have already been laid out. God already knows what he's going to do. The extraordinary time is already there. You know where the clock is, but it could have already gone off. But what we need is to follow the counsel of Gabriel in this and to say, you need to meditate on the, who God is, what he's said. You need to let that become not an intellectual uh, decision, but a reality in your heart. It is possible to go through the whole Christmas season up here above the neck and never experience the truth of the reality of Christ in your life. And I just want to say, I just believe there there are good things. There are extraordinary things waiting for you. And you can't accelerate it because it's God's time. God decided in their own time. That's a God phrase. But I believe it. I believe he's got better things for your life. I believe he's got healing for your life. I believe he has a next phase for your life. I believe things can shift in your life. I believe there's more. don't, Don't buy into the idea that ordinary time lasts forever. It doesn't. God always breaks up ordinary time with extraordinary things. Come on. So let's pray together, shall we? Go ahead and bring the prayer team up and I'll I'll just pray and then I just have the band play for a few minutes and whatever you want to do, maybe you just need to sit in your seat and contemplate. Maybe you need to bring something that you've been holding, maybe there's been pain or something in your life that hasn't had a quick fix and maybe God's gonna heal that today, maybe he's gonna heal it tomorrow, maybe the clock started already, maybe it's already done but whatever it is, when you put it in God's hand and trust God with it, he's faithful. There's extraordinary things coming. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we bless you today. And I ask, Lord, on this first day of Advent, as we begin to enter into the season where we reflect on the coming of Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, Lord, we who are on the, the right side of it, Lord, know that you have kept your promise that you delivered the Messiah to us, that would, he would be born, he would die for our sins, he would resurrect again. Lord, we're the recipients of the promise. And yet we know, Lord God, that you are still in the process of restoring this earth, that you, are, you have something, things so much better than we can possibly imagine. And I pray, Lord, that you will fill your people today. I pray that you will fill your people today with a sense of awareness of who you are, really are. I pray that this loving God that we talk about and sing about will become so presently real. Lord, we turn our minds and our attention and our emotions to you right now. I'm not asking you to give me a map right now, Lord God. I'm asking, will you become more real in my life in this moment? bring you my pain. I bring you the challenges of my life. Lord, I know you see it, and I can trust you with it. I maybe don't see the end game yet, and maybe I've had a lot of disappointments in ordinary time, but Lord, you have extraordinary things prepared, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to allow you to be God in this place pray for those here today that are waiting that they're in your own you're in your own advent today of waiting for the coming of the promise for those that are believing for relationships to be healed for those that are believing their bodies to be healed for those that are dealing with depression and discouragement right now those black seasons of life that just seems to come and go and 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 you just believe in that god can heal your mind and restore your emotions wherever we are today lord those who need provision today i just pray we enter into this waiting, Lord God, knowing that you are a promise keeper and that what you say will come to pass. Just stay in this moment right now as they sing, and if you'd like to be prayed for, come up and let the prayer team pray with you today. Faithful, you are.